ghosts, cryptids, murder, conspiracies, beer, what, the, ale. Hello, friends. Hello. Welcome to our November keg. All right. Well, (laughs) I'm very excited for this topic. I've been wanting to do it for a while. Um, But I guess before I get into it, mom, do you have any what the L moments for our lovely keg right now? Um, let me think about that. (laughs) Um, I just can't believe it's like totally like holiday season now. And it just feels weird. It feels like this year like blew by so fast. And I cannot believe it's about to be 2024. So I think that's my what the L is. I'm like going, how in the hell do we get to Thanksgiving season already? It just seems too fast. Oh, I agree. Like two days ago, I realized that Thanksgiving is in a week and I freaked out. (laughs) I, and I mean, I just, it's, this year is flying by. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely echo that. Mm -hmm. I echo that. Um, what about you? Any what the L? You know, nothing too crazy. I think I, um, I was, dog sitting this last weekend and um I don't know I feel like I was always that person that really like judged people who push their dogs in strollers and then I dogs that a dog that like needed to have a stroller because she has a back injury which mm-hmm. like makes sense but like it was so cute to like put her in her stroller and bundle her up and then like walk her around someone like made a joke about her like at some point but I was like no she's a cutie like we don't we don't mess with her but you know that's funny because I'm watching a couple of dogs for friends next week and um one of them is deaf and blind Um, and then the other one is a four-year-old big giant ball of energy and so I was actually thinking about putting the one in the wagon (laughs) when I take the bigger one for the walk because I don't want the deaf and blind one to just be home and lonely you know I want her to get out um but yeah it's a you know obviously the pup can't walk on its own on a long walk. So yeah. either carry or put it in the wagon. So I'm going to put him in the wagon. I love it. I love it. Um, but yeah, so anyway, but this, this pup was like, so very sweet and wonderful. And like, she's like, because of her like little back injury, she can't like go up upstairs or anything by herself. So it was like, I would like hold her while I was like walking around the house. <laughs> it just, it was silly. Um, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> very nice. Yeah. Are you drinking anything tonight? Tonight, I am having a Modelo Negro. Okay. Um, classic. Very much a classic in my my repertoire. Um, yeah, what about you? I'm having a Guinness tonight. So, yeah, you and I are both going to some old faves. <laughs> oh, I love a Guinness. I love a Guinness. They're so yummy. All right. It. Well. So, do we share what our topic is for today? probably should so today we are covering all things alcatraz woo woo welcome we are covering the rock, the rock baby the rock. <laughs> <laughs> so we are covering bits of the history and um then i'll be covering the the one successful hopefully successful maybe uh escape from alcatraz i believe it's successful 
I believe so too, but we'll get to that. And then, uh, and then Alana will be covering all the ghosty friends. (laughs) Oh yes, I will. I'm so excited. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, we've been to Alcatraz a few times and it's always like, um, I know it's always a fun experience. It's kind of weird to tour a prison, you know, what used to be a prison. Um, but I don't know. What do you think of the energy there? You know, Alcatraz is weird because you have to be ready for like a whole day. Like yeah. you have to like get up early, you take the ferry over and then you walk around and then, you know, you do the audio tour and you do all the things and you always get a hot chocolate at some point and you probably yeah. hang out at Pier 39 for part of it, you know, like it's a whole day. Yeah. Um, but I, I think in terms of the energy, specifically for me, I've always had like there's a vibe especially when you're kind of in the solitary part of the prison like I feel like it's a thing but I guess like when you think about prisons like I always or maybe I don't always but I think of them in my brain as like more than one room and Alcatraz is just like a giant room of Mm -hmm. cells and that is something really fascinating and interesting um which I'm sure you're going to get into (laughs) yep all right so um, so most people know of Alcatraz as a federal penitentiary, and for a long time, it was seen as an inescapable prison. Um, but before we get into any of the prison stories, I want to tell a little bit about the history. Awesome. So, Alana, do you know where Alcatraz got its name? Um, did it have to do with, like, the Native folks that lived on the island or anything? I, I mean, I don't know, but... Actually, it was a Spanish explorer oh. named Juan Manuel de Ayala, mm-hmm. and he named it La Isla de los Alcatraces, which means the island of the pelicans. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he named that when he uh, chartered a ship to San Francisco Bay in 1775. So it was named way back when. Mm-hmm. Um, but over time, the name became anglicized to Alcatraz so oh um yeah white people changed it up a little bit (laughs) I was gonna say yeah um but that makes I mean uh a a Mexican or a Spanish name I shouldn't say Mexican that's horrible but a Spanish name that makes sense um yeah yeah Yeah, and then the island was originally what kind of what you said the island was originally used by native tribes as an area for gathering food and um but it was also used for a place of isolation for trial tribal members who had violated the law. Oh, so even though there wasn't like a prison there at the time, that, that's where they would put people who were like on timeout. <laughs> they were on punishment. Um, you know, that doesn't shock me. <laughs> yeah. So even back then, that's how they would like isolate people that, that were in trouble. Um, oh. And then between 1850 and se- 1907. Alcatraz was one of the most powerful fortresses west of the Mississippi. Oh, wow. So it was like during the gold rush and there was like a big boom. Tons of people were pouring into the West Coast. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they set up Alcatraz to like guard against foreign invasions during the gold rush. Um, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. And I didn't know that for some reason. I feel like I should have known that because I've been there, but I don't remember that. Um, yeah, I guess and then Alcatraz. Oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I feel like it, like, 
it make, it totally makes sense but like when I think of like immigration and like whatever I always think of Angel Island as like the place you know like they have Ellis Island in New York it's Angel Island here um yeah but this was just people you know from foreign countries trying to jump on the gold rush yeah and like without going through immigration so they were trying to stop people from just coming for the gold rush and mm-hmm. you know like taking the gold or whatever I don't know um yeah, I guess it makes sense yeah but that's great yeah. I'm not crazy but I wouldn't have thought that (laughs) yeah and then during the civil war it also played a role in protecting san francisco from confederate raiders that were coming oh wow and at some point the army actually put a hundred canyons around like the um i mean around the whole thing really because they were kind of aimed everywhere um and so it was like the most heavily fortified military site on the west coast during that time Wow. And then because there's the other sites, so there was like a triangle of defense because it was Alcatraz, Fort Point, and Lime Point. And mm-hmm. so it was like this triangle where nobody could get through it unless they had permission to. Huh. And this is also the site of the first operational lighthouse on the West Coast. Ooh. Well, I love a lighthouse. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, and then in the late 1850s, that's when they started housing um, military prisoners there. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, what do they, you know, what do they do with military prisoners, um, but have them build, you know, what will become their prison. So over time, the prisoners had to, like, you know, build up the prison. Um, and so, yeah, during that time, um, it was like from 1909 to 1911, um, and it was, de- that's what, during the time that when it was designated, mm-hmm. um, the U S U S disciplinary barracks for the U S army. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that's at the that time is when it became known as the rock. Huh. You know, it's funny. That sounds like, um, that story you were telling about Australia a couple of epi- yeah. while ago, but where they yeah. were brought to build their own jail. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's when the, the Irish Irish prisoners were brought over and forced to build their own. Like they didn't know that they were building their own prison, but they did. Yeah. Um. So yeah, very similar. Um. And then the U.S. Army used the island for more than eighty years. Um. Mm-hmm. So between like eighteen fifty and nineteen thirty three, mm-hmm. and that's when the island was transferred to the U.S. Department of Justice to for use as the Federal Bureau of Prisons. Okay. Um, and that's when federal government decided to open maximum security, minimum privilege penitentiary penitentiary to deal with the most incorrigible inmates in the federal prison system. And um, and part of the reason why they really wanted to do that was they were really trying to um, like scare people, be like, you know, we'll send you to the most inescapable prison, you know, and they were trying to scare people straight. Um, and so, because there was just like rampant crime happening in the twenties and thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm going to give the, the history that comes after my prison story, just to get the history out of the way. Um, and then we'll get into the prison story. So, uh, Alcatraz stopped functioning as a prison in 1963. And mm-hmm. after it closed, it was basically abandoned for a while. Um, and there were lots of different ideas about what to use it for. Um, some of the ideas were doing a monument to the United Nations um, or doing like a West Coast version of the Statue of Liberty. 
which okay. I think could have been a cool idea. There was also, you know, of course, we live in a capitalist society. So also people were saying, well, let's use it as like a shopping center and hotel complex, you know, <laughs> because, you know, rich people. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, but none of that happened. And then in 1969, the island came back into the news because a group of Native American um People decided to claim Alcatraz as native land. Um, and I do want to point out they were there first. So, you know. Well, and wasn't there, was a law, wasn't there a law that they were allowed to do that? It was like, maybe you'll get into that. They were. Yeah. So they, so, okay. So what happened was, so they decided to, um, they were wanting to like create a hope of like doing like a cultural center and education complex on the island. Mm-hmm. and the Indians this is what it was called at the time the Indians of all tribes used mm-hmm. their act of civil disobedience to illustrate the troubles faced by Na- Native Americans mm-hmm. and they ended up getting like thousands of people to support them so there were you know everything from like Hell's Angels to Vietnam War protesters um, you know general public school children I mean you know hippies like everybody was coming out and wanting to support this as like what we should use the land for. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there ended up being a lot of protests and things like that. And there ended up being a lot of damage to the island. Mm. And so, you know, a lot of vandalism, graffiti, all that kind of stuff. And mm. the Native American leadership group just were not able to control the situation. Mm-hmm. And, and and they even destroyed like the lighthouse uh, keeper's home and the warden's home and the officer's club. So oh, wow. in June 1971, federal marshals removed the remaining natives that from the island. And then in 1972, Chris created the Golden Gate National Recreation Area and Alcatraz Island was included as part of the National Park Service. Yeah, okay. And Yeah, and then it became open to the public in 73. And now it's, you know, gets millions of visitors from all over the world. It's one of the most popular park service uh, locations. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so that's the history. (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say, but they still annually, I don't know if it's Indigenous Peoples Day or when, but the Native folks do like have like a weekend or a day where they get to like, re-congregate on the island, which I think is very cool. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, but it would have been nice for them to just be able to claim the space because they, you know, get pushed on reservations and it would be nice to have them have a beautiful location that was, you know, theirs before we took it over. And yeah, no, I agree. They should definitely be allowed to have land that they were on before we were on or, you know, the settlers were on. So it's, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. So now the island is about one and a quarter miles from the mainland mm-hmm. and the temperatures in the water. I don't know if everybody has been to the Bay Area, but it is very cold there um, during certain parts of the year really? and the water is very cold. Um, so the water is usually around 48 to 54 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and it just like it's kind of choppy water. Um, depending on, you know, tides and everything, but it is a little difficult to swim. We will get into that. We'll have swim the, you know, and there is a triathlon that swims there every year and people make it and it's fine. Um, but we will get into some of that when we are covering the uh, prison escape. Woo-hoo. 
Oh, there have been multiple attempts to escape from the rock, but only one that was maybe successful. <laughs> you know, it's still up for debate, but I think it was successful. I um, think it was successful as well. <laughs> okay, so let's get into it. So there were four men that were imprisoned at Alcatraz. Um, there were two that were brothers, John and Clarence Anglin, and yep. they had robbed a bank together. And so they were serving time for robbing a bank and they're both in their early thirties. Uh-huh. Then there was Frank Morris, who was in his mid thirties. And it sounds like he had kind of a sad start. Like he was abandoned as a child and put into foster care and ran away. Um, and he, he had his first run in with the law at the age of 13. So he had been in and out of prison since the age of 13. Yeah. And he was also spending time for bank robbery. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm in this field of work. So I have like a very like soft heart for folks that like have a rough go of it at the beginning. But like I do too. It, well, yeah. especially when there's not a lot of services. So yeah, exactly. And then Alan West was age 33 and he was 14 at the time of his first arrest. So they were some young criminals when they got their start. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I have a funny anecdote, but, um, and my Wi-Fi is named the Anglin brothers after (laughs) this escape. So no, I mean, it, it's a very, it's a big street. They won't find me. Don't worry. But anyway, it's funny. (laughs) Okay, so let's get into the prison break. So apparently Alan West knew about a ventilation cover that was loose and um, it was like on the roof. And apparently all the other ventilation, like these were like air vents, but apparently all the ones were covered with concrete except for this one. And it was loose. Um, So somehow he knew about it. And he knew that that would be a way that they could gain access to the roof. And he also worked in maintenance at the time. So he had had a lot of information about like the structure and layout of the prison that a lot of people didn't have. And so he was the first one to approach Morris about plotting an escape. And obviously at some point they invited the England brothers to join in on the fun. Mm -hmm. And then I think it's interesting that, you know, because in order to access this area, they had to be in cell block B. So the four men requested to be transferred to cell block B and requested to have their rooms, you know, their cells next to each other. Mm-hmm. And that was approved. So all four of them moved exactly where they wanted to be um, uh-huh. in order to access this bench that they were planning to use. Um, and I just, you know, as we get into this plan, I really do want to say like they thought of everything like they were so creative and they were so um, like, I mean, just the the things that they made and all the things that they planned for, like it was very well thought out. Yeah. Um, so uh, one of the things that they still have on display that you can see if you visit Alcatraz is the dummy heads. <laughs> so they knew that you know the guards would do their rounds in the night and so they had to make it seem like they were still in their beds so -hmm. they created these dummy heads that were made with soap and concrete Mm -hmm. and then they were painted to look real like they had eyebrows and features you know to look like a sleeping person Mm -hmm. um and Clarence worked at a as a prison barber and so obviously he had access to human hair so they even used real human hair from the barbershop to make the the dummies look real 
Wow. Yeah. That's, I mean, I mean, I've seen the dummy heads, but it's yeah, so wild to me that they were able to be, I guess, crafty enough to create them. <laughs> like, yeah, they were very crafty. Yeah. Yeah, they made all kinds of stuff. They were very crafty. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's funny that you know, no one even realized they were gone until they were, you know, getting people up in the morning. And, you know, obviously the four of them didn't get out. And so the prison guard went in and like tried to shake Morris to wake him up and the head fell onto the ground. Oh my gosh. Terrifying. (laughs) I know. So, you know, but I mean, I don't know. I just, it's like so funny to me. Can you imagine that guard and like what he's thinking? But because I mean, even if you're that close, you're like touching this thing and you think it's real still. And then it falls on the ground and it like broke part of the concrete and so when you go to see it now it's still damaged and you could see where it was damaged when it rolled off the bed it was right which I think is kind of cool yeah it's like the nose is broken yeah yeah um well and again that's how detailed it was this thing had a nose you yeah. know that could break off no they I mean, really these, did these look like well done they looked like fancy mannequin heads like I yeah I mean if you were if it was dark in the prison I mean those would totally pass so when well, they did totally pass, so yeah um and then, you know, the sad thing is I'm going to, I'm going to talk about West for a minute before yes. I get into all the other things, but he ended up not being able to make it out of his cell. Um, just he, there is like a little bit of the wall that he could not push through. And so mm-hmm. he ended up getting left behind. And mm-hmm. that's why we know so many of the details that I'm going to cover because he ended up being like an informant for the FBI to tell them how they planned this. So a lot of these details that we know, I mean, obviously there was some evidence left behind. They could find footprints or this and that. Um, But a lot of this stuff comes from West who was left behind. Weird question about that. Did he get any sort of like, not immunity necessarily, but any sort of like incentives to like be an informant? Like was his sentence? I don't think so. And I'll tell you at the end of this, I'll tell you where he ended up. But um yeah, I don't think they offered him anything. I think he probably just felt like he had to. Okay. Um, I was gonna say I remember in the Clint Eastwood movie, like there was one that couldn't get out, but um yeah. Well and you know I don't know, you know, because maybe they could have added time to a sentence for trying to get out. I mean they could probably see I'm gonna explain what they did to the wall, but you know they could probably see that he was part of it because they looked at his wall so maybe they did give him like we won't punish you for trying if you tell us details I don't know none of that was in the research okay Um, it's possible yeah I was just curious (laughs) okay so they all had like these um air vents that were about five by nine and um the wall around the grate was like less than six inches thick And so what they did was, and again, super creative. So, I mean, they use things like spoons and stuff like that, but they also created a little makeshift drill using Mm -hmm. a vacuum motor. Um, And what they would do was they would just like poke holes around, you know, to make, to so in order to like widen the gap, because, you know, five by nine, they wouldn't be able to fit through. So they like poked holes in the wall around the grate. So mm-hmm. that when they were ready to go, they could just push that whole thing out and fit their bodies through. So they perforated the wall. <laughs> they perforated the wall all the way around with this little drill. That's brilliant. Um, and things like that. And How did so, no one um, see that? Well, so what they did was, so they would like use cardboard to like make it look a little more normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, they had things like guitars and like things like that, that they could use to like, just kind of put it in front of that part of the wall. And nobody would notice that, you know, cause it's like, just, mm-hmm. I mean, these cells are super small. It's just the wall in the back. 
you know, nobody's going to notice if you have your guitar leaning against the wall, nobody's going to think to look behind it. Right. Um, and these okay. guys were, you know, they were good prisoners. They weren't acting up or, you know, causing trouble. So there would be no reason to like toss their cell or anything. Huh. Um, That's just so, lovely. but you know, just having it already all perforated would just make it easy. They just had to push it out when they were ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so on the night of the escape, that's what they did. They like, you know, remove the vent and like push that wall through so they could climb in. And what was behind the wall was this utility corridor. Mm-hmm. And the guards didn't usually patrol this area because there would be no reason why any prisoners would ever be back there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there was, they didn't do rounds in that area. Mm-hmm. And then um, from that area, they were able to climb up to this landing that was above their cell block. Mm-hmm. And, um, this is something that, you know, they were so smart. They planned this for months. So for months, they volunteered to do maintenance on that landing. And so they were part of the crew and, you know, so the guards kind of trusted them and whatever, mm-hmm. and they used this to their advantage. So West, while he, you know, cause they were doing things up there, they were making some of the things like the heads, you know, they were making, you know, the raft, they were doing some things. And so um west convinced the guards he was like oh you know look at all this dust and everything that's falling onto the ground level and making a mess you know can i put these um you know he put like kind of like tarps like big blankets or something he's like can i put these to like block the dust from falling and they were like oh yeah good idea so he did that but that meant they couldn't see what was happening back there so he like convinced them to like let him have privacy basically so he could do his work without them being able to see what he was doing that's so wild again like I I just think about like when you see prison movies that seems so strict and so hard to get away with stuff it's crazy that they were able to do that well and this is supposed to be at the rock and what did it how did I describe it before it was like supposed to be um you know but it was supposed to be like you know wanting it to be um you know maximum security minimum privilege you know oh absolutely it's like they definitely had a little bit of privilege here um, but this landing area is where, um, the dummy heads were made, um, and they made other things to escape. So some of the things that they made, which is really impressive is they made life preservers so that if they fell into the work, they would be able to float and be saved. Um, and they also made, you know, cause if you're on an Island, what do you need? A giant raft. Yeah. So they made a six foot. 15 foot rubber raft okay. and it was made from approximately 50 raincoats they're like you know prison or uh uh you know the prison gives them out um and so they, so they collected, yeah they're rubber okay yeah rubber raincoats so they collected 50 raincoats and they sewed these together using sewing machines that were like in the prison you know, where they would, they would sew like clothing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So they would, sew the, they would use those machines to sew these coats together mm-hmm. uh, in order to make a raft. And then it, they read in popular mechanics that you can use steam to um, vulcanize that, you know, rubber and make the seams like stronger. And so they did, they found like pipes where they could open up the pipe and use the steam and they steamed every single seam so that the boat wouldn't fall apart in the water just to make the seam stronger. This is some hard and they stuff. Like, <laughs> I 
they were that in popular mechanics. I'm like, you guys are MacGyver. Like, I don't know how you're doing all this stuff. Um, and then they, in order to inflate the raft, cause that's a big raft and they would have need to inflate it quickly, you know, in order to get away. Mm-hmm. Um, so they used a concertina, which is oh. kind of like, an, it's a musical instrument, but it's kind of like an accordion, but it doesn't have the keyboard, you know? So it's like moves in and out like that and it just fills with air. So they used that to inflate the raft. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> so clever. <laughs> and this concertina was an um, an instrument that Morris ordered months earlier um, because apparently at Alcatraz they would let prisoners play musical instruments during this one hour of the day that they called happy hour, which I think is funny. Um, so again, he thought of this in advance, like, oh, I'm going to order this instrument that we can use to blow up the raft. Like, it's just so creative. It it's so clever. Like I just yeah. honestly, like I know we can't just be like let them be free and have a good time, but like this is yeah. so <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, from that landing, you know where they were making all of this stuff and everything, um, for, uh, about thirty feet above that, you know, and they had to climb up some pipes to get to that air vent, but that's the vent that West had discovered was not covered over with concrete that they would be able to just push open. So it's basically like a metal grate. They just had to push it open. Um, and so they had already prepped that area. So yeah, when they climbed up, they could easily push it open. And at about 1030, some people recall, recalled hearing a noise. And now it's believed that that was the air vent falling open on the roof. Um, so, you know, with that timeline, you know, that would make sense that they probably started all of this at around that time. Okay. Um and then once they got to the roof, they just had to climb down a pipe on the side of the building and then over a fence to the north shore of Alcatraz. And then their plan was to sail to Angel Island, which was about two miles away from Alcatraz. And then from there, they would use Raccoon Strait to sail to the mainland. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Wes told the you know FBI, well, I mean, you know, there's lots of people that were looking for him. It was FBI and the Coast Guard and the normal you know, uh, prison authority and police. So it was a joint effort, but Wes told all of them that the plan was that they would steal a car and close in order to complete the escape, you know, cause they didn't have much with them. Okay. I uh, mean, but the rest, huh? Oh, I just said that makes sense. Like to have to, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But the, but the escapees and the raft were never found. So the theories, the theories are basically they die or are they still alive <laughs> right okay so, um the theory about maybe they died is that the water was very very cold and apparently the tide would be working against them at the time um that they left and so it you know it would be really difficult to make it to angel island some scientists even like created a raft that would have been like the raft they made and they tried to recreate it and they were not able to make it to angel island um Now, the one thing that I want to say about that is, you know, the raft might not be exactly the same as what they did. And also, you know, they had like a ton of adrenaline. They had a ton of good reason. You know, I'm sure they were highly motivated to make this escape work, whereas the scientists didn't have that kind of motivation. So to me, if you're like fighting for your freedom, you're probably going to have a little more gusto than some scientists in a boat do. 
So yeah, and I mean, I don't want to like sound like I'm generalizing, but our scientists of the same as like hardened prisoners who are like training for this, like I bet you they yeah, were yeah. in the gym getting ready, whereas the scientists were probably not. You know, yeah. So I just, you know, just because the scientists reenacted it, I don't really think that has to mean anything because you know they, they don't know exactly what the boat. What you know, I mean, it could have just been different circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people said, you know, the arguments was well, you know, if the boat sank or they fell into the water, they would be, um, they would like lose consciousness within two hours. But I'm like, well, it's only a mile and a quarter from the shore. And, you know, even if the boat like made it halfway or something, they wouldn't be in the water for two hours. You know, I don't imagine they'd be in the water for two hours. So, you know, to me, it's like many people have made that swim. You know, they do it every year for the triathlon. And Mm -hmm. I think even a 13 year old has done it and made it. And I know the tides are strong. Yeah, I was going to say when I was in high school, there were several people that did it every year. And I I mean, from when we were freshmen, so like 14, I mean, it's not... Yeah, like I'm not saying it's not hard. Like obviously it is, but you would think a grown man probably could do it if they were motivated enough, you know? Yeah. When, I mean, if you're trying to escape prison, you're going to be very motivated. So, you know, Mm -hmm. even if they fell in the water, even if the boat didn't work, I still think they would have made it. But again, the raft was never found. So to me, you know, that could mean that they did make it and they stashed the raft somewhere, you know, (laughs) I don't know. Um, Now, there were two bags that were made from the raincoats that Mm -hmm. were found in the water, Mm -hmm. and these had possessions belonging to the men. So there were like, you know, pictures of the England family and like a handwritten letter. And, you know, so it was clear that these belonged to the men. Plus, they were made out of prison raincoats. I mean, it was obvious that it was theirs. Um, And then in the weeks that followed, there were two different life vests that were were found. Mm so that kind of led people to go, well, yeah, they probably didn't make it because life vests were found and they were found like tied, you know, so like they, they, um, it's not like they fell off of somebody. It was like, they were not put on. So people mm-hmm. were saying, well, if they didn't put on the life vest, maybe they drowned. Um, but you know, I just, I don't know that I believe that. Um, I also, I don't know, maybe this is me just like really wanting them to have survived, but to me, I'm like, this stuff could have been used as a diversion for them to yeah, get I thought that too. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and then, well, you know, I feel like if they had worn it or if they were in distress, you would think they would have at least opened the vest up or had tried to use it. And if they were like neatly folded, tied clothes, like, I just don't think that sounds realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then the other thing is what told them that they were planning to, um, you know, steal a car and steal clothes and all of that stuff. And there were no thefts reported in mm-hmm. the Bay area around that time of the escape. So, you know, people are saying, well, that makes it clear that they didn't make it because they would have had to stole, stolen a car or clothing or whatever to get away. Um, so people are saying that that means that they probably didn't make it. Mm-hmm. And then weeks after the, um, the escape, a Norwegian uh, freighter, a boat, big giant boat, saw say they saw a dead body in the water but they were on their way out of the bay and mm-hmm. so they did not report this until they came back to san francisco the following fall <laughs> and they said oh yeah we saw a dead body you know we didn't do anything about it um so this body was never found never recovered um but that was something that this norwegian freighter had said they saw and so people were like well that must have been one of them but you know the body was never found so that can't be proven that it was one of them and i will say 
you know, there are people that die in the bay for different reasons and almost always the bodies float um, and end up washing ashore. And so I just have a time believing that three different bodies of men that were on the same raft, like none of their bodies came up on shore. That seems not realistic to me. Well, and not coming up for weeks, right? Like, I feel like, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I guess I'm generalizing, but I feel like from what I've heard of bodies that have been found in the bay, they're found sooner than like weeks and weeks later. Right. I I just, I don't know. I don't know a lot about the body science and how it floats, but (laughs) yeah. 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 Okay. And then the other theory is that they may have survived. Um, and so, you know, the, the ideas that support this theory are, you know, again, that many people have successfully swam that length of time, that length of, um, uh, distance and, you know, during, you know, cold months and, you know, that people have swam that before and have survived. And again, I know I said it earlier, but even a 13 year old has done it. So these grown men probably could do it if their raft did not work. Yeah. Um, most bodies float within a few days, but their bodies were never found. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a theory that the tide, you know, if the, because the tide working is them with their plan to go to Angel Island, but um, the tide, they say, would have carried them over towards Horseshoe Bay. Okay. And so maybe, you know, that's where they ended up landing. Maybe they did let the tide end up carrying them that way so they wouldn't have to work so hard. Um, and so maybe their plan was a little different. So if they were looking for them, you know, Angel Island Bay area, you know, maybe they did Horseshoe Bay and found a different way out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on his deathbed, Robert Anglin, who's the older brother of the Anglin boys, mm-hmm. confessed to his sisters. And um, he said something like, you know, um, you, you don't have to worry about the boys. They've been in touch and they're okay. So, you know, when he was dying, he told his sisters that the other two younger brothers were okay. Yeah. Um, which I think that's very telling. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I can't imagine what would have done that if it wasn't true. Yeah, I I agree. Like I, he had no reason to lie, right? Yeah. I don't know. Well, and there's a couple other fun facts. Okay. Their mother would receive flowers on her birthday every year and it had their signatures on it. Oh, so, you know, clearly they were wanting mom to know that they were okay. Right. Uh, and then um, <laughs> apparently people, you know, family members, when there would be funerals, mm-hmm. there would be these two mysterious, mysterious women that would come to the funerals and, you know, wearing black dresses and black hats and all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, and people have you know, put out the theory that maybe that was the England brothers in disguise coming to, you know, respect the loved ones and, you know, honor the loved ones who have passed, um, but were in drag to, you know, hide that they were men. Um, yeah. And so that's one theory. And I think that's kind of fun. I like that. They, I like the idea of them still coming and wanting to pay respects, but doing it in disguise so they wouldn't be caught. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. And then in 2015, a photo of two men in Brazil showed up and um, apparently it was given to the family by a childhood friend named Fred uh, Brizzy. Mm-hmm. And he said that he ran into the men while he was on vacation. And mm-hmm. the History Channel did like a, an episode about it where they are really clear that they think this is actually them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you know, experts say that they don't think it is, but I mean, it's an old photo. It's grainy. You know, it's hard. I, I don't know. I mean, it, I think if you were a family member, you'd be able to tell whether or not those were your people, but the experts say it's not, but I'm like, well, maybe the experts don't, you know, don't know, or maybe they don't uh, want to admit that people got away. I feel like also just like the photograph stuff is hard because again, like old photos, very grainy, whatever. But even like, you'll take a photo of me from one angle and I look one way and like another angle and I look totally different. Yeah. Like, I, just, I feel like you just never know. Right. Like, but it sounds like my friend actually talked to them and was like, oh yeah, that was them. So it's like, you should believe that then. Right. Um, and then, you know, I wanted to finish up with Alan West because that's all it is about the theories, you know? Um, but Alan West was released in 1967, although it was from a different prison because Alcatraz had closed at that time. So mm -hmm. he ended up being at three different prisons before his release. Mm -hmm. Um, but he was rearrested within a year and he got a life sentence for grand larceny and robbery mm -hmm. in 1978. So, um, you know, it's kind of sad that he never got his life on track and, yeah, I don't know if it would have been different if he would have made it out the way they did because none of them have ever been rearrested, which I think is awesome. So it's a sign um, that no worked for them. At yeah. least. <laughs> and then the case on the escape was closed by like whatever the smaller authorities are about 15 years after the escape on December 31st, 1979. But mm -hmm. U.S. Marshals will keep the case open until they are arrested or death is proven or they reach the age of 99, which I think is kind of huh. interesting. That they'll close the case when they reach the age of 99. Um, Listen, on my 99th birthday, I'd like waltz into some office and be like, I'm Charles Anglin. Look at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just think that's funny, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about it, but I really do feel like you know, I kind of hope they got away with it because they were so fucking creative and like to do all of that, like I'm totally cheering for you. And if they never got in trouble with the law again, they were never arrested again. There were no other crimes that it seems like they committed. You know, I really do feel like, well, if they were reformed and they did better and they lived good lives, like, why are we going to bust them now? Like, let's give them an applause for all the like, you know, cool, creative things they did and give them a pass you know yeah um did you look into the letter that came out a couple years ago oh no what was that okay so you know I know it's very common in these type of cases like we mentioned with D.B. Cooper and others that um people will sometimes confess to things that they didn't actually do but there was a letter that came into the U.S. Marshal's office that was basically like, I don't remember which of the England brothers, it was one of them. And he was like, I'm 95, I'm dying of cancer. I just want you guys to know, like, we made it out. Frank died seven years ago. My brother died five years ago. Like, if you want to pick me up, oh my can. like, whatever. Um, he was like, I mean, I'm dying of cancer. So if you want to pick me up and like, give me some healthcare, great, but like, whatever. Um, huh. But like, I like, it hit like the SF Chronicle for like a day and then you never heard anything about it. So huh. I mean, my assumption is probably it wasn't legit and they were able to track it down. But at the same time, like. Or maybe was it was legit and they wanted to keep it quiet. They let him go. <laughs> they were like, oh, you're good. <laughs> 
Right. I mean, because at that point, it's like he's old as hell. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to lock him back up. That's just crazy. Yeah, so. But yeah, but I would really love to hear what they were up to during that time. Like, did they live in South America a lot of their life? You know, did they live here in just new identities? I don't know. It'd be interesting if we could ever find that out. I don't know that we ever will, but. Yeah, it would just but I hope they made it. They were very creative. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love this case because I really do think they made it. Like, I, yeah. I. I firmly believe like it It just would have been like, not that it would have been hard for them to drown in the bay, but if they all could swim and they all like at least got to the point where the raft was in the water, they would have made it, you know, um, yeah. in my brain. <laughs> no, I think they did too, but yeah. Well, and I, I just think they deserve to make it with all that work and that creativity. I'm like, you yeah, man, they like, I don't know. I, I think it would be so sad if they got caught and like locked back up after all of that. They did such good work. <laughs> uh, like, I'm just impressed. Like, I feel like as horrible as it sounds, they didn't get back into trouble. Like, even if it yeah. had only been 20 years, I would have been like, you know what? You did it. Like, you didn't go back into jail. Well, and it means that they were reformed, right? Like prison works. Yeah. Like, if they didn't go back to crime, then their time in prison helped them do better. So I think it's good. Yeah. I mean, other than breaking out of prison being illegal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. I kind of, I think that, that would be a fun, like, if if a diary came up or something, I would just yeah. love, I would like devour okay. that. So I fun. know, if they did like an autobiography that's going to be published after their death, that'd be very cool. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And I love like the mysterious woman showing up at funerals because I feel like you hear about that with like, people who used to work in the FBI or whatever there's always like a random like group of guys in suits that just show up at funerals or whatever yeah. like it's very similar oh I love it but I do wonder like if that was happening you would think that the you know U.S. Marshals or the whoever would come to the funerals and like look for them but I mean I don't know how many funerals they showed up to but I think that's cool if they did yeah, I mean, maybe they went under for 10 years or something and then they started like very carefully like tiptoeing you know yeah um, I don't, I don't know, but. Oh, All right. Cool. But you got some ghosty sides of Alcatraz. All right. I do have some ghosty sides, but I do want to say before I totally get in the ghosty sides, there are some very notorious prisoners that were a part of Alcatraz that I think maybe we didn't mention, okay. but specifically Al Capone and. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and. I just, I like to bring up Al Capone because he was only there for tax evasion for like two years. He wasn't there that long. Um, yeah. But his mugshot is hilarious. His Alcatraz yeah. mugshot. I think every time we have gone to Alcatraz, I spend like five minutes laughing at that mugshot. Yeah. Well, that's one of the fun things about the tour is you do get to see some of the notorious prisoners and like hear um, words that they said and see their photos and all that stuff. It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that was just like a funny little side note before I get into it. Um, okay. But I guess kind of the way the ghosts are, you know, there's not a lot of specifics. It's a lot of people seeing shadow figures and stuff. So it is a bit smaller in terms of the ghosts, but that's okay. Um, but something I found really interesting is that a lot of Native folks actually believe that island was inhabited by evil spirits um hmm. and like before it was a prison 
before the prison for sure like just I think there was always like kind of a negative association with the island um and I don't know if that has to do with the civil war or maybe during the gold rush I guess those are kind of similar in time or maybe something happened before then but native folks really believe that evil spirits were kind of on the island which I think is interesting um so that's interesting that they also use that as a place to put tribal laws then yeah well and something you had said right like so you had said um like they were kind of banished to serve out their sentences and I guess like it was because they could live among the evil spirits and be like tormented for the rest of their existence like it was like a very sinister sort of punishment that was put on you okay I didn't know that part but yeah I mean um you know the U.S. government tried to make it you know maximum security low privilege but you know maybe the natives had it right (laughs) because they were like we don't even need all that you just need to like let the spooks get them (laughs) which I honestly think that would be so wild like um I don't remember which historical prison and I'm sure we would talk about it in the future but there was one where like like the guy was seemingly like haunted by like a ghost of someone he had murdered and he would like scream out like this guy's name and like it was like he eventually um I think died by suicide um because like the torment was so hard on him but like thinking about those like evil spirits getting to you like that's so so dark and so hard (laughs) but I guess kind of outside of that a lot of uh, visitors and staff of the island nowadays do hear, um, you know, people talking like men specifically, their voices, they hear screaming, they'll hear whistles, they'll hear the doors slamming when they're not moving at all. Um, I think I did mention screams, Um, but they said the screams specifically are mostly heard by the dungeon, which if you go to Alcatraz, you're not normally taken to the dungeon as part of your tour. You might have to ask because it's like a little stairwell in the middle of nowhere that you like go down and you go down there. We have And I think when you do the night tour, I think that they, I think that's definitely a part of the night tour. Yeah. If you, if you, if you do the like night flashlight tour, you could pay extra, go to the dungeon. Um, But I think like the normal tour where you just walk through you don't get to go down there um it's basically kind of like solitary confinement but for like the worst of the worst so those were um really hard um and I guess during the time the island was still a prison um they would hear lots of like sobbing and moaning um they reported terrible smells I believe they reported sulfur which we know is demonic which is also Mm -hmm. scary um and then apparently there is an entity called the thing which would appear with glowing red eyes um Mm. in parts of the prison but was it just like shadow figure with glowing red eyes or did it have features or yeah yeah it was basically like a shape like a a shadow figure but like very kind of shapeless and just like there like a weird like you could tell it was human, but it had glowing eyes, you know? Um, and then a lot of people would report, you know, the phantom prisoners and soldiers um, appearing um, just kind of randomly on the it's island. It's funny you, say you, could, you, could, you said you could tell it's human, but it's got glowing, you know, but it has glowing eyes. And I'm like, yeah, humans don't have glowing eyes. <laughs> so I don't know that it was human, Alana. I mean, humanoid though, right? Like it, you know, like... <laughs> I'm like yes okay okay (laughs) um 
So apparently there was an experience by Warden Johnson, who served as the warden at Alcatraz for a while. Um, He was a known skeptic, but he would encounter the sounds of a woman sobbing um, when he would lead guests on tours of the prison, I guess, like for a while after the prison closed, he would like give tours, which is kind of cool. <laughs> it's interesting that it would be a woman because it was a male penitentiary and all the people that worked there were men. So it's interesting there'd be a woman crying. Yeah, but Alcatraz did have a visitor side. So maybe it was like yeah. in the visitor room or something. I don't know. Huh. Yeah. Um, but they would kind of hear it from they they also reported they would hear it in the walls of the dungeon and then mm-hmm. whenever the sobbing would stop or like maybe it'd get quieter or whatever they would actually feel like a cold rush go through the group or like be in that area so again mm-hmm. like that cold spot that is very much associated with ghosts um which is still so freaky i don't know like in the because du- to me like okay it would make sense like okay if you're in like the visitor center but if you're in the dungeon you wouldn't think mm-hmm. you would um hear a woman crying for sure yeah I know. but i don't know yeah that's interesting but so something else that's interesting is that apparently since the 1940s um when the warden's house or I guess like the warden house was like burned down. And so since the forties, um, I guess there's this ghostly man who appears before them in a gray suit, a brimmed cap, and he has like mutton chop sideburns. Um, hmm. Very fashionable. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, but the, I feel like that style sounds very civil war to me, you know, like yeah. the, the, the gray and the mutton chop and everything. Um, but I guess, like, at one point during this party in the 40s, um, the guards saw the apparition, the room became very cold, and the fire on, like, the stove or whatever was extinguished. And then the spirit vanished. Mm. So that is interesting that there was, like, I guess a physical effect to the spirit being there. Yeah. Um. And then I know you had mentioned that the old lighthouse was destroyed um but apparently um still to this day people report seeing the old lighthouse appear on foggy nights oh (laughs) like they see it there and it's not there anymore yeah man (laughs) and i guess there's like a weird whistling sound and a flashing green light that goes around the island um but it'll pretty much just kind of flash like it'll be like a blink and you miss it type of thing so I think huh. the next time I go over the Bay Bridge at night, I should really take a peek. <laughs> yeah. I think it's yeah, like- never, I didn't know that part. That's kind of cool though. Something yeah. About- yeah, I think it's cool. Like I'm like, all right, like the, the old lighthouse shows up, neat. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I guess while I, I mentioned it earlier, but while the prison was open, of course, they would hear, you know, um, screams and things but something they heard that was really specific was actually cannons and gunshots which they believe to be from the gold rush and civil war eras um and Hmm. apparently the guards would actually like drop to the ground thinking they were being attacked um, oh really because it was it felt so real to them and they could never like there was never any damage to the prison there was never any like ship going by that was shooting at them or anything like that um so that is also pretty freaky 
Um, yeah. So, yeah. So that was something interesting. Something that I don't know if you saw in your notes or research, but did you see anything about a fire in Alcatraz at all on the prison side? You know, I didn't read about that, but I was mostly focusing on the escape and the history. So I didn't see that, but. Okay. So there's not really an explanation for this, but apparently guards would often encounter the smell of smoke coming from a deserted laundry room. And then something would be on fire and they'd go in the room and there was like smoke so thick, like they couldn't even go in the room because it was like just so thick and then minutes later the room would be completely smoke free like there was no evidence that there was a fire or anything in the room um that's very strange yeah and I don't know if that was related to like because we had mentioned like the warden's house had burned down like I don't know if it was related to that or if it was like I don't know what laundry room like I don't have a map of Alcatraz in front of me but um yeah I thought that was interesting for sure yeah Um, So I'm going to like give a little bit of history about this, but it kind of makes sense when we get into it. But apparently D block is the most haunted part of the prison. Um, Okay. And our boy is the Slytherin B. So B. Yeah. B. Yeah. Okay. So they are not in the haunted area. No. So D is in dog. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, But anyway, so. D-Block was considered one of the most haunted ones. And I think it started because um, after a escape attempt in 1939, um, Arthur Arthur Doc Barker was killed. Um, And so I think a lot of people see like a shadow figure or something. He was killed on D-Block? He was killed during, yeah. So he was killed like during an escape attempt, like on D-Block. Um, and that's kind of what led to maybe like this dark presence that was there. Um, it was also known as the treatment, um, unit. So pretty much for all of the prisoners there, there was no contact with the general population. Um, but they were not like even allowed to go to the mess hall for meals and they were only allowed one visit to the rec yard and two showers a week. Um, so like really all they could do is read prison approved material, things like that. And so, um, apparently also there was like cruel guards who would, um, like turn the air conditioning on to make the block colder than it needed to be that type of thing. So, I think it leads to like uh, San Francisco is already pretty windy and cold in the evening. So I mean, especially pretty cool. in the middle of the bay. I'm sure that's really yeah. um, and so I think that adds to like people feeling really cold when they're over um on D block. Um and the rest of D block, aside from like the normal cells, was also what was referred to as the hole. So like severe offenders would be placed in a cell. Um with a sink, a toilet, a very dim light bulb, and the the guards actually had the power to turn that off. Um, um, their mattresses were taken away during the day, and they were not allowed any time in the yard or showers, or hmm. any sort of reading material. So they like were that's pretty cruel. Yeah. Um, 
they could be sentenced to a maximum of 19 days and they were completely isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think part of what people believe is why D block is the most haunted is because these really intense, um, cells and treatments were there. Mm-hmm. Um, so apparently there was one last cell called the Oriental and, Um, that was pretty much like complete sensory deprivation. So it was a dark seal, dark steel, like NK cell with no sink or toilet, just a hole in the floor for the prisoner waste. They were placed Hmm. naked in the cell, given a restricted diet, and they were pretty much confined in pitch black. Um, at night, they were given mattresses, but it was removed at dawn. And this punishment was so intense. It was only one to two days. Um, yeah, that sounds horrible. Do we know why it was named that? They didn't say. Um, I don't hmm. love the name. Um, I don't love the name either, but I, I do wonder where that comes from. But yeah, that sounds horrible, though, to treat people like that. I can't imagine being in that kind of space. Yeah. And so, like, that's why I think, again, they hear a lot of screams and things. But there was one specific prisoner which is unnamed and I didn't do a lot of research at least outside of this source but um he was crying and screaming and he kept saying that he was being attacked in his cell um my gosh and the following morning he was found dead with a very terrifying expression on his face and handprints on his throat oh Um, my gosh and upon an autopsy the strangulation was determined not to be self-inflicted like they were like there's no way a human being could do that to themselves um yeah I I was gonna say I mean because strangulation you have to hold like really strong really tight for a long period of time I can't imagine somebody being able to do that to themselves but but for him to be yelling out that he's being attacked and they didn't like come check on him or anything mm-hmm. wow, yeah that's so sad And I mean, I think they thought maybe he was having like a mental health crisis and I'm sure that's what they thought, but damn man's dead now. Yeah. And so I think he is kind of one of the spirits. A lot of people seem to feel, um, people say sometimes they feel pressure on their throats. Um, some people say they see some sort of dark spirit wandering up the corridor. They don't specify it's this prisoner, but a lot of people just kind of assume it is, um, And so, you know, obviously that's really terrifying. I don't even know what that evil spirit would be um, if he was. Well, if I was the guy that got killed, I would want to haunt the guards that didn't help me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, So something interesting, too, is that cells 12 12 to 14D are the quote unquote most haunted. Um, People will often feel really intense feelings in those cells. And sometimes it's reported to be as low as 20 degrees colder than the rest of the cells on the block. So, Mm, wow. I don't know what that science is, if it, there is like proof for why it would be colder there, but I do think that's interesting. Um, Big difference, 20 degrees. Yeah. It's not just like a couple, you know, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, and a lot of like psychics and things have come and like felt a lot of energy in 14 D like they felt a lot of eerie feelings, um, like chills, weird tingling sensations. Um, a lot of people don't feel alone when they're in that cell. 
So mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what that energy is. Um, but I do think that's interesting. Someone reported seeing a small man with his head shaved. Um, and I guess this was like a psychic said this. So the psychic was sensing or seeing a man who had his head shaved. He explained that he had been beaten. His legs were broken by the guards and that he was left in solitary confinement. Oh, wow. Part of it's hard because I'm like, I I don't know how a psychic would get all this energy without other people witnessing it or seeing it or, but I do think that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, Really famously, there was a ghost hunter named Richard Sennett who decided to spend the night um, on D block. He slept in cell 12 D. Um, and I guess as the door closed, he felt icy fingers wrap around his neck and he Mm -hmm. had psychic visions of bodies being twisted and dismembered bodies. So I, I don't know, but that's terrifying. That sounds terrifying. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, some last little things. Um, so there was the escape attempt I mentioned earlier in 1939, but there was another one in, uh, 1946 and this happened in cell block C. And so it was Bernard, Bernard Coy, Joseph Kretzer and Marvin Hubbard. Um, Hmm. and so it was a failed escape attempt. There's, I didn't really write down the info of what happened, but people, um, will hear like loud banging noises when the door to C block is opened. Um, or like that there'll be noises. You'll open the door or like the door to the cell and then the noises will stop basically. Um, but I guess this, um, escape attempt ended in kind of a riot where three prisoners were left dead. And so a lot of people will kind of hear the disembodied disembodied voices kind of where um, those prisoners did die. Okay. Um, So that's really interesting. Um, There was a few prisoners. Also, there was um, one prisoner called um, A.B. Maldivitz, um, but they called him Butcher, and he was killed in the laundry room by another prisoner. Um, And so he, I guess, was killed in cell block C, so sometimes people feel his energy or see him there. Um, Okay. And then, as I mentioned earlier, Al Capone was here. Um, Yeah. And he was never really he was kind of put at the end of cell block c he had very strict rules he was not allowed a musical instrument or a radio but people have heard the sound of a phantom banjo within his cell um oh really did he play the banjo is that a thing i don't know but i think that's interesting but he didn't die there so he didn't i don't know why his spirit linger yeah but i mean maybe I don't know. You know, it's, it's just kind of a cool thing. Maybe whoever was there after or before him was the energy. Yeah. People feel, but um, yeah, I was going to say, I would kind of believe it would be somebody else since he didn't die there and he didn't play banjo there, but maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then just to kind of wrap up, like there are just like kind of common things that park staff have experienced. So they explain like crashing sounds, running footsteps, 
horrible screams, cell doors that close on their own or open on their own, um, moans, they hear chains rattling, and then they do feel like they're being watched a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the um, main sort of like ghosty vibes of Alcatraz, but apparently there is a really lovely nickname for Alcatraz and people call it Alcatraz. which I think is funny. I've never heard it referred to anything else from there, but uh, I do think that's interesting. So yeah, that's kind of (laughs) cute. If you're wanting to be ghosty. Yeah. Right. It adds to the the haunted side. Right. Um, But yeah, those are, those are kind of the ghosts that I saw. Like I said, it was a lot of kind of um, not very distinct, like specific ghosts, but more just vibes and feelings. So I don't know. But what do you think? Do you think Alcatraz is haunted? (laughs) I mean, I think most places are probably haunted. But yeah, I think there's been a lot of things at Alcatraz. And when you talk about the treatment of some of those prisoners, Mm -hmm. you know, I think there'd be a lot of unfinished business there or, you know, a lot of dark energy. So to me, it makes sense that there would be. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I think dark energy, it makes sense that there would be something there. So. Yeah, I don't know. But that's all I had. Um, did you well, have any good job, Alana? I appreciate you telling that part of this story. I appreciate you too. We appreciate you all, friends, for sticking with us for this lovely haunted prison keg that we decided to do. Plus a very cool escape. <laughs> Very cool escape. The escape. I'm going to call it an escape because I believe that they got out. So hundred percent. Another conspiracy. They a hundred percent got out. I'm sure like 20 years, there's going to be someone that's like, my uncle was so-and-so, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I guess, um, some housekeeping things, just make sure to keep, liking and subscribing on Instagram and Patreon and all the things. Um, we are going to have a bonus episode released to Patreon soon. Um, I will be leading that one since mama did the last one. And then we are also going to be, um, looking for any sort of spooky stories or anything you want to submit for another listener's episode. We would love to do it. So feel free to submit either via email at what the pod at gmail.com or on Instagram at what the pod. Um, and other than that, yeah, I just want to say I appreciate you, mama. <laughs> you too, baby. And, and uh, yeah, we look forward to um, our bonus episodes coming out. So check those out on Patreon. Yeah. Yeah. We appreciate you all, but thanks so much friends. All right. Good night. Bye.